Well, good morning, uh, Christ City. Let me begin this morning by inviting you uh, to stand with me wherever you are, and we're going to read Matthew 7, 13 to 14 together. Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Still standing, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you set before us this morning two paths, the hard and the easy, the wide and the narrow. By your Spirit, grant to us that we would be people who walk through the narrow gate and down the narrow path that we may find life forever. Amen. You can be seated. The poem, The Road Not Taken, is one of the most uh, widely known poems in our culture today. While not its written intent, uh, The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost has become an anthem for individualism, uh, of forging your own uh, snowflake-shaped path in this world and doing what feels right to you. Now, Christianity has its own version of The Road Not Taken, of this poem, and it goes something like this. We say there's two roads. The one road is the wide and the easy road, like Jesus is talking about. And it's full of all things evil, uh, evil people doing evil things, being evil. But there's another road, we say, the, the narrow and hard road, which is quite different. Here on this road, you'll find good people, people doing good things, saying good things, being good. For Christians, we say, this is the road less traveled by, and walking on this good person road, that has made all the difference. And to be sure, this cultural Christian version of the road not taken has its equivalence uh, in Scripture. Now, the prophet Jeremiah is instructed to speak before the people this, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Indeed, the book of Proverbs is all about walking on the wise path that leads to life and avoiding the path of foolishness because we read in Proverbs 7, 27, her house is the way to Sheol, or the grave, going down to the chambers of death. But as we come to Matthew 7, 13 to 14, what we will find this morning is that the Christian version of the road not taken misses the mark. It is not what Jesus is talking about. The wide and easy road in our text today is not expressly evil deeds. And the narrow and hard road in our text today is not simply being good or, or good deeds. No, actually... What Jesus is saying today is much more difficult than the Christian version of the road not taken. And yet, at the same time, is also much more hopeful, much more promising. Here's how we're going to walk through our passage. Three headings like this. First, gates and ways. Second, easy and hard. And then thirdly and finally, a traveling companion. So first, gates and ways. Jesus begins Matthew 7, 13 by saying this, Enter by the narrow gate. Now we could spend years on just this one verse, just this one sentence. Here's what Jesus is saying. 
All that I have sketched out for you over the course of this sermon, all that belongs to this kingdom way of life, indeed all that I am as a person, enter in. Those paradoxical flourishing statements I began with, those beatitudes, enter in. Enter into that poverty of spirit. Enter into that mourning. Enter into that mercy. Enter in all that I've said there. All that's made possible in me. And that greater righteousness in your worship, your giving, your praying, your fasting, enter in, Jesus says. The greater righteousness in your relationships, enter in. The greater righteousness that fulfills, sums up the law and the prophets, Jesus says, enter in. Enter in. This last section of the sermon, 7, 13 to 27, consists of four sketches that are all seeking to drive home the eternal importance of doing what we have just heard, of living out what we've just heard Jesus say. In fact, beginning next week, the Greek word to do in three different iterations will make an appearance three weeks in a row. Do, do, do. Now, as I've been saying throughout this series to a bunch of cautious Protestants like myself, who are big on believing, but think the doing component is optional, Jesus is clearly telling us in this sermon, we are elected, we are filled with the Spirit, and this is made evident, this is made obvious, this is made visible to a watching world as we obey, as we do. And as I prayed for us last week, we are to live as both hearers of the word and doers of the word. Let me say it another way that is perhaps a bit blunt. If after this entire series on the Sermon on the Mount, your one takeaway is, oh, I know a bit more about the Sermon on the Mount, then you have not, one, submitted yourself to the word of God, and two, you have not been listening, if I can say it this way, Christianly. Christianly, as a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're listening academically, or maybe you're listening skeptically, or maybe you're listening spiritually, whatever that means. But you have not been listening Christianly if this does not lead to doing, does not lead to action. See, Jesus has outlined for us in the sermon things that we are to, in our text today, reminded of, enter into, things that we are to do. Now, in part, and one day we will do these things fully as he ushers in his kingdom in totality. Unless we're tempted to think that this doing includes triumphant golden roads. Now, Jesus says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. In our introduction, I said, What Jesus is saying today is actually much more difficult than the Christian version of the road not taken. And the question is, why? Why is it much more difficult? Because the narrow road, I'd suggest to you, is not simply good deeds. The path to wholeness, flourishing, true Christ-likeness, like we've been saying all along, is a matter of not only external doing or external righteousness, but also of internal righteousness, internal goodness, of wholeness, of doing, yes, but also of desiring as well. For us 
to simplify our text today as narrow road equals good people and wide road equals bad people would be to rip our text entirely out of the context we find it in, out of the context of the sermon. See, read in context, we see this. The narrow path is actually much more narrow than we originally thought. It consists only of those who, empowered by the Spirit, are pursuing whole person devotion to Jesus. It's not simply good people. Which also means that the wider path is wider than we thought, is bigger, more vast than we thought. We'll see this in more detail in a few weeks. But on this path, we know that there are people who have every external, every outward appearance of righteousness, of doing good. This is the reality surrounding the gates and ways that Jesus is talking about. But he goes further, and he describes the experience of each way. Jesus says, For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. And then he says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is what? Hard that leads to life. This is point number two, easy versus hard. What makes the wide path easy and the narrow path hard? Now, this might seem obvious to you. The wide path is easy because we can do whatever we want, live however we please. The narrow path is hard because it involves all of this greater righteousness, all of this deep internal transformation. That's hard. The wide path, do whatever we want, is easy. It's simple. And I think generally speaking, that's true. I think Scripture speaks to that. But if you and I are intent on finding ourselves on the narrow path, the devil, as they say, is in the details. And I think there are two details worth meditating on today concerning the ease and the difficulty of the two paths before us. First thing's this. The wide path is easy. It's easy because it comes naturally. Notice the verbs used in our passage today. The many simply, what does Jesus say? Enter into the wide path. It's, it's seamless. It's seamless. On my own, without the intervening love of Jesus, this is the path I walk on. I was born on this path, and without Jesus, I would die on this path. The many simply enter into the wide path. But notice, Jesus says, the few find the narrow path, find the narrow gate. Now, this is not to say that entering Jesus' kingdom is a matter of you and I obtaining some sort of secret knowledge. No, no, that's an ancient heresy. Rather, later in Matthew, Jesus will liken his self-revelation his kingdom, our salvation, like finding treasure hidden in a field. Finding treasure hidden in a field. Like finding one pearl of great value. The, the wide path is easy because it comes naturally, instinctively, intuitively. The second detail is this. The narrow path is hard because it's strange. It's strange. It's a foreign path. It's hard to say 
how literally we should take Jesus' comments on few and many. On few and many. Few people entering his kingdom and many people entering his kingdom. On one hand, Jesus will seem to confirm a small numerical number of people entering his kingdom later in Matthew, Matthew 22, when he says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And yet, on the other hand, in John's revelation of the end of the age, uh, we read that the faithful, in Revelation 7, the faithful will amount to a great multitude from every nation. Now, maybe, maybe, you and I are not to make numerical predictions from texts like these. I, I, I'm not sure. But whatever the case, whatever the case, we can at least say that few and many in the context of the sermon serve to remind us of something that we've seen Jesus say all, all, all along. And it's this. This way of being in the world will be countercultural. It will be paradoxical will be strange, and will ultimately result in our persecution. And therefore, many people, indeed most people, will not walk this path. In a world where our deepest longing is to fit in, is to belong, that's hard. That's difficult. See, the narrow path is not only narrow, it's also a path uphill. It's a path upstream, if you will. It's the difference between stepping on an escalator and letting it take you down easy. You can relax. And then trying to run up that escalator, trying to fight against the machine working against you. And the escalator imagery might be appropriate here because Jesus says that the end of the wide path is what? It's destruction. Destruction. It's, it's hell while the destination of the narrow gate leads to life. Life now and life forever in Jesus' kingdom. Again, can you see why what Jesus is saying today is actually much more difficult than the Christian version of the road not taken? But amidst uh, this bleak reality, we, we, we need hope. And indeed, we, we find hope. And that hope today comes in the form of a traveling companion, Jesus himself. I want to show us uh, three things about this traveling companion, about Jesus, as we conclude. And the first thing is this. Jesus, our traveling companion, he, he knows the way. He knows the way. Jesus is not inviting us to walk down a path that he has not walked down himself. D Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who many of you know died resisting the Nazi regime in Germany, he wrote this. As long as I recognize this road as the one I'm commanded to walk and try to walk it in fear of myself, uh, in his own strength, Bonhoeffer says, it is truly impossible. But if I see Jesus Christ walking ahead of me step by step, if I look at him and follow him step by step, then I will be protected on this path. See, not only has Jesus walked this path, but he who walked it before, who has been tempted in every respect as we've been tempted, as the author of Hebrews says, Jesus, our traveling companion, will keep us on it. Will, will keep us on the straight and narrow, on the cramped, narrow path to which he calls us. 
In John's gospel, in John's gospel, Jesus tells us so clearly, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, hear this, Christ said, I will never, ever cast out. I will never cast out. I imagine there are thoughts we have that go something like this. Jesus can deal with my surface sin, my surface stuff. But the deep stuff, the deep stuff, surely he'd be disgusted. Surely he would cast me out. Friends, Jesus says in John 6, 37, Jesus who knows us better than we know ourselves, who knows our sin more deeply than we know it ourselves. Jesus says, all that the Father gives to me, all of us, I will never cast out. I will never cast out. The first thing about our traveling companion is that he knows the way. The second thing we need to see about Jesus, our traveling companion, is that he knows our weakness. He knows our weakness. Now, I am an uh, impatient hiker. In fact, I'm an impatient uh, a lot of things. But if I'm on a hike or a walk with my kids, because let's face it, I don't really hike with my kids that often. If I'm on a walk with my kids and my kids start whining and complaining that they're tired or sore or want a drink or some food, I'm impatient. Come on, I say, hey, let's go. We've got to make it there. But that's not how our Father treats us. That's not how our Father speaks to us. Again, in John's Gospel, we encounter another gate, uh, another door. Jesus says, I am the gate. And then what does he say? Now figure out Christian life without me. Figure out this narrow path without me. Just do it on your own. You, you better come. Come on, let's go. No. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus immediately makes another I am statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. And again, immediately after that, he makes another I am statement. Again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I, I know my own, and my own know me. He who knows us, knows we are weak, knows we are frail, knows we are prone to wander like sheep off that narrow path, and he comes to us. He abides in us. He keeps us, and indeed he shepherds us on this narrow path. Finally, third thing. Jesus, our traveling companion, and only Jesus knows the way home. There is this cultural saying that has become quite popular, even in the church, and it goes something like this. The destination doesn't matter, it's the journey. So, or, or some variation thereof. And if you've tweeted that before, I apologize, but I'm not really sorry. I hate that saying. Now, does that saying have a kernel of truth? Sure. The Christian journey matters. Right now matters. We are to live now as the people we one day will be. Yet, on the last day, when it is finally exposed that the traveling companions of individualism, of so-called sexual freedom, the traveling guide of materialism, have led their followers to eternal destruction, have led their followers to lifeless springs, to quote First Peter, the destination's going to matter. 
Where we end up is going to matter. Where we live and dwell and have our home for eternity is going to matter. Only Jesus, our gate, our guide, our good shepherd who will never cast us out, leads us, indeed is with us, on the path to life. This last section, the next three weeks of the sermon, is all about response. It is all about response. One more time. It is all about response. It's about how you and I will live. There are only and have ever only been two ways to live in this world. And long before Jesus' incarnation, King David, a man who, who without the grace of God would have wandered off the narrow path many a times, expressed this reality of the choice before us today like this. In Psalm 1, King David writes this, and this is how we'll close. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Hear this, Christ City. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Here's the second path. The wicked are not so but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. And therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the gate. And we want to enter into your kingdom. And we know that only through you can we enter into this kingdom. But not only are you the gate, Jesus, but we know and we've been reminded that you are the good shepherd. You keep us and you watch over us as we walk this narrow path. And Father, I pray that we would be a people, as we saw last week, who abide in you and thus lean into your good shepherdness in this season. Allow you to form us and shape us as we seek to obey you in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.